Welcome back to this Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, vaping's future just got much hazier, and crypto companies come to Washington, D.C. But first, the big shakeup at Facebook. Five years ago, the social network paid $1 billion to acquire Instagram, the photo-sharing app that literally just days earlier was valued at half that by venture capitalists. The tech press was kind of split at the time, particularly because of that big price. But today, there is no question that it was a masterstroke by Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg. Instagram's a huge driver of growth for Facebook, and it helped brush off challenges from rivals like Snapchat. But last night, the two co-founders of Instagram, Kevin Systrom and Mike Krieger, who had stayed with the company, announced that they're leaving. No word yet on their future plans, except they want to work together on something new. And we could just chalk this up to two guys who have had their time and have to move on. But there seems to be an emerging trend here at Facebook. Several months ago, a co-founder of WhatsApp, which Facebook bought in 2014 for $19 billion, not only left the company, but also its board of directors. And in late 2016, the remaining co-founder of Oculus, a virtual reality company that Facebook had bought, also quit. In short, something smells rotten in Menlo Park, where Facebook used to have a reputation for being the big tech company that founders wanted to sell to, the one that let them do things their way. It's not yet clear exactly what's changed, but there's speculation, and it's growing already this morning, that outside pressures like fake news and the Russia scandals, etc., have affected Mark Zuckerberg's management style, making him more difficult to work with. And no matter the reason, there are consequences to the Instagram founders quitting. First, it might be harder for Facebook to expand through other acquisitions of other hot startups. Second, it could create a new opportunity for rivals to eat into these services like Instagram. For example, Snapchat just struck a partnership with Amazon, and there's some talk that that's prelude to an acquisition there, which could become a massive new rival. The bottom line here, Facebook isn't liking any of this. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios chief technology correspondent Ina Freed. But first, this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days, it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined now by Ina Freed, Chief Technology Correspondent for Axios. So, Ina, let's start with this. How important right now is Instagram to Facebook? It's critical. You know, when Facebook bought Instagram, it was the future. It was, you know, kind of off in the distance. These days, it's critical. That's where the growth is. And the main reason is simple. Kids don't want to use the same social network their parents do. I'm on Facebook. There's no way my kid's going to want to be there. But they wouldn't mind being on Instagram, which they don't exactly associate with Facebook, even though Facebook owns it. Yeah, that's been the incredible thing is people are like, I'm leaving Facebook and going to Instagram. (laughs) So it's really worked well for Facebook to have these multiple brands. But Instagram is the young, hip, cool one. I'm curious, if Facebook were to want to buy another Instagram, it might even have antitrust problems right now. Like buying it, whatever it was, I guess, five years ago or six years ago, that was key. It was huge. And the fact that they were able to do it then was big. And I think you're right. I think they would have a very tough time buying a sizable competitor. I think if you are in the M&A department for Facebook, the key is spotting that app super early so it's not an antitrust issue so that it's a tiny rival. 
you know, they couldn't buy a sizable rival, I'm guessing. And it's worked both ways, right? Like for Instagram, even though it clearly is worth more than the billion dollars now that it got bought for originally, this deal worked out well for them too, because if they had remained independent, it's entirely possible that something like a Snapchat would have overtaken them. For sure. I mean, and, or, you know, we've seen Facebook's pretty good at cloning. So, they are. Um, you know, I think that's what they'll have to do with the next Instagram, which they have with Snapchat. And I think they will have to do with the next one. So it did work out for Instagram. And don't forget, Instagram had, you know, critical mass and, and a few things going for it, but it didn't have a lot of defensible turf there. I mean, it was... It was a photo sharing app. Yeah. Okay. But now this thing last night where the two co-founders of Instagram are leaving, to you, what does this say about the broader Facebook? Because again, this isn't one guy leaving to spend more time with his family or because he got a better job. This is two people leaving at the same time and in a at least public resignation statement that they don't thank Zuckerberg. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's always hard as a founder, you know, the fact that they would leave at some point isn't a huge shock, but it is important. It is important that it's now. And I think there is a reason. I think you've seen Facebook grow increasingly interested and meddlesome in the social networks that acquired WhatsApp and Instagram, whereas in the early days, they really left them alone. They said, we want them to grow the way they were growing. And now they're like, oh, we need those growth dollars. And you mentioned WhatsApp. Facebook's made three huge acquisitions in its time, Instagram, WhatsApp, and also Oculus. And in the case now of WhatsApp, the co-founder of that even got a board seat, but he, what, maybe three months ago, four months ago, said he was leaving. Is this, as you say, a reflection that Facebook is no longer a good place for startup founders to sell their companies to and, and live? I don't think it's necessarily not a good place, but I think it's not the place it was. You're not going to sell your giant company to Facebook. Well, you're probably not going to sell it for antitrust reasons. But even if you could, you're not going to be able to sell it and expect to be left alone. And that's not true of most companies. Most companies don't really leave their acquisitions do you, alone. Do you think that's just Facebook's maturity or how much of it, and, and now I'll, not even conspiracy theories, but how much of that do you think is Facebook over the last year at this point has been under an incredible amount of outside pressure because of the political stuff, the, the Russia stuff. And Zuckerberg's been under pressure before because of stock prices and an IPO that didn't go well, but never anything that's been going kind of at the core of his mission, like all of this stuff has been. Am I reading too much into this to think that maybe one of the reasons a bunch of these folks who are direct reports to him are leaving is he is no longer the exact same person to work with that he might have been before? Well, you know, certainly it wouldn't surprise me if all the pressure is taking a toll on his management style. But beyond that, I think the issue, probably the core issue is Facebook can't afford to leave them alone and it's not. And so it's just uh, a lot less creative freedom, a lot less canvas that uh, founders tend to like. And, you know, I mean, it's not an easy time to be at Facebook or to be Mark Zuckerberg or to be any top executive there. So now you have these two guys who create Instagram together, sell it for a billion dollars. It becomes by far the the top. And, and if photos are how people talk to each other now, they're, they're the kings of that. There's been lots of speculation about what they're going to do next. They haven't said anything except we want to work on new ideas. Is there any reason to believe they could do something that tries to compete effectively with Facebook or with Instagram? Or do you expect that they're going to do something completely new? I would think they would do something largely new in part because the key to Instagram wasn't features or anything else. It was really building that critical mass, which is super tough to do. You know, I do think whatever that next idea is, there'll be no shortage of people ready to fund it. I saw tons of VCs last night on Twitter praising them, singing their praises. So uh, if they Twitter want an EIR job, I think uh, there are plenty. Entrepreneur in residence, that does make sense. Final thing for you, do you feel long-term, you know, if you look at Facebook and when you hear their quarterly earnings calls, et cetera, Instagram has really helped drive their growth. It's been a huge driver there. Do you think going forward, if we're having this conversation in a year, maybe in two years, 
Do these resignations significantly impact that growth? In other words, are these two guys that integral to Instagram and Facebook? I'd put it another way. I mean, the question is, can they keep innovating? And is there enough creative blood in Instagram? And I don't think we really know. Certainly, if I were Facebook, I would be looking throughout the company for the next good ideas and then matching them with Instagram, the product. That's how I would be thinking of it. That makes sense. Thank you so much, Ina Fried, Chief Technology Correspondent for Axios. My final two right after this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique smart brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the ProRata podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is the hazy future for vaping companies like Juul. So earlier this month, the Federal Food and Drug Administration sent a letter to all the major e-cigarette companies, giving them 60 days to prove they can keep flavored products away from minors. So there was some thinking initially that these companies would reply by the end of October, and then the FDA would spend months reviewing and negotiating. But that doesn't seem so likely anymore. FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb this morning appeared at an Axios event in D.C., where he said to expect action by sometime in November. That could mean within two two months, you'll have flavored vaping pods pulled from store shelves, and there could even be a rulemaking process launched to end online sales of all tobacco products. What Gottlieb seems to realize here is that the vaping companies, whose products often include more nicotine than do traditional cigarettes, might be unable to meet his challenge about keeping them out of the hands of minors. Even if these companies develop age verification systems online and at the point of sale, there's just no way for them to definitively police this stuff. For example, online retailers can have resale of the product. And there could be convenience store owners who simply look the other way. So if I was somebody who had invested in Juul at a $15 billion valuation, which happened just a couple months ago, I might now be reaching for a cigarette or maybe something even a little stronger. And finally, a group of cryptocurrency executives and investors are holding a roundtable in Washington today on the future of their industry. It was put together by an Ohio Republican congressman named Warren Davidson, and it'll look at things like initial coin offerings and crypto ETFs, and if regulators will call all cryptocurrencies securities or just some of them. And on that last point, Davidson this morning used an analogy on television of how Apple stock is a security, but individual iPhones aren't. It's actually not bad. It's not perfect, but it's not bad. Anyway, the bottom line here is that crypto companies actually want regulations. They want rules of the road. And today may be the first major step on that path. And we're done. So much thanks for listening to us and to my producers, Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers. Have a great National Comic Book Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata podcast. <laughs>